Expert Insights is an ongoing medical education podcast. The Carl Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please click on the link and complete the episode's post-test. Another edition of our Integrated System podcast series, helping us to achieve world-class accessible care and to improve the health of the people we serve. This is Expert Insights. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. This is Expert Insights with the Carl Foundation Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing toxidromes. Joining me is Dr. Omabolawa Kakoi. She's an emergency medicine physician with the Carl Foundation Hospital. Dr. Kakoi, what is a toxidrome for healthcare providers that don't necessarily know what this is? Please tell us what that is. Hi, Melanie. First off, thank you so much for having me. And so a toxidrome is a constellation of symptoms which suggest toxic levels or overdose of a certain group of drugs or chemicals. So pretty much you look at a patient, they exhibit certain symptoms, and then that can fit into part of a puzzle. And there are, there are several of them, but there are four major ones we will discuss today, and they're named. The first one is the anticholinergic toxidrome. The second is the sympathomimetic toxidrome. The third is the opiate slash sedatives. And then the fourth is the cholinergic toxidrome. Well, thank you for answering that, because I was going to ask you about the major toxidromes. So thank you for that answer. What are some of the toxic effects that are caused by these that you've seen in your practice? Absolutely. Um, so there's a, I would like to classify this, but before I go into the classification, I want to give just a quick background. And so we have um, a pathway in our body called the autonomic nervous system. It pretty much controls our involuntary responses, such as breathing. Now, there are two main pathways. The first one is the very popular one that is a fight or flight, otherwise known as a sympathetic response. So things like, you know, speeding up your heart rate, sweating, expanding your lungs, the sympathetic pathway controls that. And the neurotransmitter enzyme in that pathway is called the norepinephrine. The second response is the opposite. It slows things down. It's called the parasympathetic response, and the main um, neurotransmitter is called acetylcholine. So those toxidromes that we're going to be discussing, um, they affect each of those pathways. Well, thank you. So then tell us how. What are some of those pathways? How are they affected? We can start with, again, grouping them. We can start with the anticholinergic um, toxidrome pathway. And so we mentioned that the parasympathetic was the opposite of the sympathetic and it slows things down, meaning um, your heart rate is decreased, your eyes are no longer dilated. And um, guess what? Antihistamines are a great example of um, drugs that can cause this potentially toxic level. So Benadryl, cough syrups, you know, NyQuil, DayQuil, especially now during the COVID pandemic where we're all hunkered down treating our systems at home, it is important to um, have an idea and recognize toxic levels. And so what these drugs do is that they block our parasympathetic response, meaning they block the slowing down. And there was an aid that we earned in medical school, which is hot as a hair, red as a beet, dry as a bone, blind as a bat, mad as a hatter. So pretty much people have fevers, um, you're flushed, you have dry skin, your eyes are really dilated, you're agitated. Again, remember that this antihistamines or those drugs, they are blocking the parasympathetic response. 
And so, which means that basically your body is in a metabolic overdrive. Um, people can have seizures leading to this. They can have kidney damage, liver damage. And so the most important thing is early recognition and treatment is mostly supportive. Sometimes we have antidotes, but we use those for very severe cases. And so this is an example of an anticholinergic toxidrome, meaning they block the parasympathetic response of the body. Wow, this is really a fascinating topic. So as you're telling us how you narrow the differential diagnosis and how you use these historical clues and physical exam to reveal that toxidrome, Tell us a little bit about a diagnostic tool fundamental to effective medical response and to the degree, doctor, to which that toxic symptoms present themselves. Does that depend on the route of exposure, the dose, what you know about the patient? Tell us a little bit about how you are identifying these. So it's actually a combination of all of, all of it. Um, I cannot overemphasize the utility of trying to obtain collateral information um, from family or friends or even from EMS that picked up the patient as a sin because a lot of times patients are altered or obtunded can really give you um, a good history. And so you want to ask family, um, are they taking any medications, prescribed or non-prescribed? You want to also look at the age demographic of the patient. So for example, in our elderly patients, there are multiple medications and we call that polypharmacy. And so you're, you, you, it's, it's an easier time. You have like an easier um, way to um, overdose on those meds. You also kind of look at the patient. In emergency medicine, usually the first thing is when you come into the room, what do you see? And so you do a very thorough physical exam as safely as you can. So are the pupils dilated? Is this person agitated? Are they sweating? Are they not sweating? What is the color of the skin? What is their temperature? And so all of these are pieces of a puzzle that hopefully can come together for you. Well, that's really important for providers to hear. I mean, it certainly is. So let's talk about... When we're taking that history, please describe for us some of the common prescribed medications that can cause some of these symptoms. Are we also looking at meds for diabetes, heart disease, common medical conditions? And while you're answering that, some of the -the over-the-counter medications or non-prescribed drugs, even legalized marijuana or illegal drugs that can cause some of these symptoms. And in addition, doctor... What about potential causes such as exposure farming, since there are a lot of farmers in the area? Can you please cover the medications, the things that you are looking for when you take that history? Absolutely. And um, a point I want to emphasize before going into this is we don't have to necessarily memorize all those drugs. The most important is is recognizing the pattern. A lot of emergency medicine and medicine in general is pattern recognition. And so this is a great time to break down the toxidromes into the four pathways we talked about. I already mentioned briefly the anticholinergic toxidrome, um, which we classified Benadryl, antihistamines, ornithine, but we have some prescribed medications that can fall under this category as well. So you have psych meds, you know, meds for depression, meds for anxiety, and even anti-seizure meds um, that can cause this. So it's, that's why it's very important to take a thorough history um, of each patient. The second type of toxidrome is called the sympathetic toxidrome. And remember, that's the pathway that promotes our fight or flight response. So you have similar symptoms as the anticholinergic toxidrome in that your heart is racing, your lungs are expanded, your eyes are dilated. Um, but because this is a different neurotransmitter, um, you are 
constricting blood flow to the skin, you're actually sweating. And so going back to my um, description of when you go into a room, what do you see? Uh, one of the distinguishing factors between the two is that in the sympathetic toxidrome patient, they are profusely sweating. And some of the non-prescribed drugs in this category are coffee. Yes, coffee, um, because coffee drives off the sympathetic um, system. Um, obviously, too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. Um, and so we have other drugs like amphetamines that are, you know, prescribed legitimately for ADHD issues. But then you also have street drugs such as cocaine and meth that can ramp up the system. And in the setting of legalized marijuana, sometimes these are laced um, with, um, with like other street drugs such as meth, ecstasy, NMDA. So it's really important um, in asking patients that even use legalized marijuana, um, is this, do you know where you put this from? Um, is there any possibility this could be laced? And the treatment is mostly supportive. Again, similar to the anticholinergic toxidrome, it's a metabolic overdrive. People are at high risk of seizures, decompensation. So you want to control that fever. You want to control that heart rate. You want to study the patient just to help them help their body recover. And so the third class um, of toxidromes is the opiates or sedatives. And so opiates actually bind to a, a, a different receptors than the um, autonomic nervous system. Um, and so overdose can lead to respiratory depression, um, such as um, people losing their respiratory drive. Um, they have um, low body temps called hypothermia. They have pinpoint pupils. And this is very important because this can quickly lead to death. And, you know, in the light of this opioid crisis, we have all heard um, about the drug called naloxone or Narcan, which is a life-saving drug, and it helps to reverse the effects of those opiates. And especially in our elderly population, like I mentioned, polypharmacy is a big issue because they usually have comorbidities on multiple drugs. You know, so looking at grandma's list, is grandma on Norco? Is she on Percocet? Is she on Vicodin? Could she maybe have taken that Vicodin with the Benadryl? You know, so those are things to think about. Um, in terms of the sedative toxidrome, um, benzodiazepines, so Xanax, Ativan, things that are prescribed for anxiety issues um, can also cause sedative symptoms. Again, the treatment is, is supportive, um, controlling their airway. Do they need to be supported by the ventilator while their body is going through this? Do you need to give them um, IV fluids? A lot of this is just really supportive care. And then you also mentioned um, chemical exposure to pesticides. That brings me to the last but not the list for toxidrome that I'm talking about. It's called the cholinergic toxidrome, um, which uh, pretty much means that um, you have an overdrive of the slowing system. And so I mentioned that acetylcholine is the main neurotransmitter of your slowed system, which is the parasympathetic system. And um, pretty much the drugs prevent the breakdown of that um, enzyme. And so we just have excessive secretions everywhere. Um, an aid we learn in medical school is called sludge. Um, so that's salivation, lacrimation, that's tearing from the eyes, urination, diarrhea, GI distress, and emesis, which is vomiting. So pretty much you're licking everywhere. You know, you're salivating, you're tearing up, you're having diarrhea. It's a very unpleasant um, toxidrome. And so especially when you have farmers come in and they have this constellation of symptoms, it's important to recognize that it might be due to pesticide exposure for example. Again, a lot of this is supportive treatment, you know, so fluids for possible dehydration, um, just kind of supporting their overall um, hemodynamics. I hope this makes sense. 
It totally does. Absolutely. So interesting. So Dr. Kakoy, specifically, for example, during, say, a mass exposure, can this recognition that you've given us such really great education on today provide a triage tool for identifying, exhibiting toxic effects, and also provide a common language, as it were, so that emergency responders from the scene through to the hospital ED can clearly communicate a clinical message? So with the EMS providers, um, they have a very limited time with a patient. And again, it's recognizing pattern. And so it may actually take a while to figure out that this is like a toxic exposure. Um, but let's take opiate exposures for an example. Um, the common things are um, pinpoint pupils, or called amyosis, sedation. And so those are very pretty easy toxidromes to um, recognize. And our EMS colleagues have actually been trained to administer um, the antidote naloxone in the field with good success. Um, in terms of the other less common ones, so, for example, our anticholinergic or sympathomimetics, which is the like metabolic overdrive um, toxidromes, um, usually they'll say people, um, patients are agitated, um, patients are hypothermic, meaning they have a high fever. So, a lot of it is supportive care. So, coming to the ED, um, they can keep the fever down. Um, they can kind of keep some sedative medication. And so it's we in the ED that after getting history and collateral information that can sometimes fit those puzzles together. But even if you can recognize um, a particular toxidrome at that moment in time, it's important to recognize that your first step is supportive care. And so if their airway is depressed, I need to control that airway. I need to give them oxygen support. If their blood pressure is low because they are having profuse diarrhea everywhere, I need to give them IV fluids. And so the the most important thing is not being able to identify the toxidrome. Eventually, you probably will when you have more collateral information. But the very first step is recognizing that this patient might be in danger and I need to control their symptoms. And um, some of the, in terms of a mass exposure, so nerve gases like sarin, they actually... Um, they cause the cholinergic toxidrome, which is the profuse secretions everywhere. And so when you have, for example, like a group of people coming from the same house or coming from the same community with the same symptoms, then your index of suspicion should be much higher. Wow. You know, really great education for responders and other healthcare providers. Before we wrap up, What's important to recognize as far as disposition of patients? Tell us why you'd consider hospitalization and monitoring versus discharging home and Give us your best advice. Wrap it up for us, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So unfortunately, by the time um, patients are sick enough to come to the emergency room from these toxidromes, they probably would need to be admitted. Um, so people with less severe um, symptoms, so if you're just having a cholinergic, so diarrhea, vomiting, I can pretty much hydrate you, give you some medications for um, the nausea and keep you on the medical floor. Um, but people that are coming in with the anticholinergic and the sympathomimetic, which are the over drives may likely need to go to the ICU um, because your body just cannot keep up with that metabolic demand. You know, a lot of times we may need to give you um, sedative medications, which can cause, you know, the respiratory depressions that we talked about. And so sometimes that may necessitate us putting you on a ventilator, which can only be managed in the ICU. Um, so I would say severe cases will have to go to the ICU. Um, patients that I will discharge home, again, by the time they make it to the ED, probably not. You know, but if people, some people come and, you know, things like amitriptyline, gabapentin, they have like little dizziness, dryness, you know, we can 
kind of caution on um, discontinuation of those drugs or reducing the dosage and give them like strict return precautions. Um, but disposition will depend on the severity. And so wrapping things up, it's history, history, history. If there's family, ask EMS, did you see any drugs on the screen? And every time a patient comes to you in clinic or in the ED and you're reviewing their history, make sure that every time you're asking, is your medication list up to date? Um, Because if push comes to shove, that may be all we're relying on. Great information. So informative. Dr. Kakoye, thank you so much for joining us. And that concludes this episode of Expert Insights with the Carl Foundation Hospital. For a listing of Carl providers and to view Carl-sponsored educational activities, please visit our website at carlconnect.com for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. We hope the information gained will be applicable to your work and life. This is Melanie Cole.